Okay, so now we're going to talk about chapter 24 and the wave nature of light. Uh, this chapter starts out by describing uh, Huygens' principle, which states that a point on a wavefront can be considered as a source of tiny wavelets that spread out forward in the direction at the speed of the wave itself. The new wavefront is the envelope of all the wavelets. Uh, that is tangent to all of them. So it's showing you in figure 24-1 that if you imagine a wave made up of a bunch of tiny little circles, then all the little circles add up to create a single wave front. They all interfere positively there. Um, and that's uh, Huygens' principle, and I definitely recommend uh, watching a couple videos on that on the YouTube in order to understand how that really works. Um, but we needed this principle to explain um, diffraction which is shown in figures A, B, and C, which is what happens when a straight plane wave enters a, uh, a small opening in a wall, and instead of the waves continuing forward in a straight line, like they would if they were uh, rays, they get bent around that curve and they end, off, uh, end up making circles. So that's only possible if we treat uh, light like a wave. And 24-2 is rephrasing the law of refraction in, term of, in terms of Huygens' principle. Um, and this, this diagram here is really horrible at trying to emphasize what's happening here. Um, so I've got some good animations in the lecture, but you can also look this up online. But basically, uh, Huygens' principle and the wave principle uh, allows you to derive uh, the law of refraction, uh, just like using the, the ray diagram. Um, and... Uh, um, it, it's pretty simple to see with an animation, but this drawing doesn't do a good job. So I'm going to move over uh, from that. There's a little section there at the bottom of 667 which talks about mirages um, and the way that a mirage works and why the ground looks like a mirror. And it's because the change in temperature of the air causes the index of refraction of the air to change, which ends up bending a ray of light which may go down and stop at the ground to be redirected and up to you and so uh, a ray that could be coming from the top of the van could appear to be coming from beneath the van if the, uh, the air is outright. So 24-3 now, we're getting into interference, and this is Young's double-slit experiment, and this can only be explained if light can be treated like a wave. And so the idea here is you send a ray of light all in phase onto two slits in a screen. They diffract out of those... Uh, uh, little slits and then they interfere with each other and then we see an interference pattern on the screen. Again, this can only happen if light is interfering uh, with itself. So we call this constructive interference and destructive interference. And the case for constructive interference is if the two waves are in phase. If they're out of phase by half of a wavelength, then they're gonna, they're gonna cancel each other out. So you can see if it's one half, three halves, five halves, or whatever, the two waves cancel out, and that's called destructive interference. And again, that's a property of the waves themselves. They have uh, a wavelength. Um, and you can see in figure 24-7, at the top of the screen there, in A, B, and C, they're trying to explain uh, the results of Young's double-slit experiment. And basically what happens is when waves enter into that slit width, if they both travel the same distance, when they arrive at the screen, they're going to be in phase, and you're going to have a really bright fringe or a bright mark on the screen at that point. But if we look at number B, 24-7 <laughs> letter B, then uh, the if the two waves are an extra distance lambda, you get a, another bright fringe. You've just shifted everything up. They still travel one extra wavelength. 
but if you only go half a wavelength like you show in uh, segment C, then the two rays are just out of phase by half of a wavelength, and they cancel out when they reach the screen there, and you have a dark fringe. So if you look at the bottom of 669, you can see in section, or in 24-9A, uh, there's an example of what I'm talking about here. You can see bright, dark, bright, dark, bright, dark, bright, dark fringes on a screen. You only see that if you have light uh, shining through a, a slit, and uh, it produces this pattern. So this whole chapter is trying to explain this, and this can only be explained if we treat light like a wave. And so that's the whole point of this thing. Now the case for constructive and destructive interference is if that extra path length that the light has to travel between the two waves is either half of a wavelength, that's going to give you a uh, interference, a destructive interference, a dark fringe, or if it's uh, equal to one wavelength, then uh, it's bright. So as you sweep along the screen up and down, you're going to pass through dark, bright, dark, bright, dark, bright fringes. And the case for that is this equation 24-2a, d sine theta equals m lambda for bright fringes, and d sine theta equals m plus a half lambda for dark fringes. This d sine theta is the extra distance in path length. So if we go back up to figure 24-7b, uh, uh, let's say, the distance between the slits is called D. That's the separation. And then if you look at, um, there's a little gray triangle uh, carved out there. That triangle, um, the, the, the end at the bottom is labeled as extra distance equals lambda. That is the side of the triangle D uh, times the angle there, sine of theta. That's that extra lambda there. That dotted line that's perpendicular between the two uh, red waves, that distance there means from there to the screen where the two waves meet is the same distance. The extra distance the one on the bottom has to travel to catch up with the bigger one, um, that's called lambda, and that length of that is equal to d times the sine of that angle. It's the opposite over the hypotenuse of that triangle. So um, that's how this works, and if that extra distance is equal to lambda, um, then you get a bright fringe. If it's equal to half of a lambda, you get a dark fringe. And then in between, it fades from dark to bright. So again, as you sweep up the screen, you end up with different distances there. And you can see between B and C that extra distance changes as you change the angle. Um, so that's how this works. So that your whole point here for these types of problems are to calculate where the dark fringes and bright fringes uh, happen. Uh, and if you turn the page here, figure... 24-10 shows you how, um, if you use that angle, theta, you can calculate, um, using the screen distance, L, you can calculate the side of the triangle that has the fringes on it, and you can calculate the separation between the fringes. Again, this is just demonstrating the theory of wave, uh, the wave nature of light, and that's what this whole chapter is trying to get you to see. Um, and there's a couple examples here. I recommend going through those to get that. Uh, chapter 24-4 is talking about the visible spectrum and then dispersion. So the visible spectrum of light is from blue to red. It's usually 400 to 700 nanometers that we talk about for visible light. When that light enters into a prism or a piece of glass, uh, it actually turns out that uh, the index of refraction is slightly wavelength dependent. And so this leads to prisms and rainbows, water in that case, being able to split light up into its component's colors. So if you have white light, it's made of all the colors. When white light enters a prism, 
the red gets bent less than the violet, and so it actually disperses the, the rays apart or uh, splits them up because of the uh, difference in index of refraction. And uh, that gives you the rainbows that you see. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, tomorrow.